This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors win their first game post Pascal Siakam 121 to 97 against the visiting Miami Heat, who did have Bam Adebayo in this game, who did have Jimmy Butler in this game, who we saw Kyle Lowry play 29 minutes. Welcome back to Toronto. He did a fancy little jig while they were introducing him. Super fun game. Uh, We had RJ Barrett popping off as a scorer for what feels like, I don't know, the seventh time in nine games or the eighth time in 10 games. Scotty, quiet game before really turning things on in the fourth quarter. I thought, I think he went four or five in the fourth quarter with five assists. Pretty nuts finish for him. Um, a bit out of sorts as far as like what happened the rest of the game, but really came on strong. Um, IQ start out the game immediately scoring 10 points. Had a whole like healthy heaping of assists in this game. Gary Trent Jr. finishes with like, I think he went eight of nine from downtown, 28 points. Darko Stan says, uh, crashing on Blake's couch again. Yes, sir. So we might see Brody. I don't think Blake's hopping on. But um, yeah, and Sung Jin Woo says, first bucket by JFL. Yeah, on the putback, a bunch of different guys step into this game, provide a good level of basketball. And the Raptors take like a pretty hapless Heat team. You know, Bam was like really passive to start the defense. They didn't seem ready for like the Raptors attacking from a whole bunch of different angles. Emmanuel quickly, I thought was awesome, especially like setting the tone offensively. RJ was just punching dudes in the mouth. You know, Grady Dick has his best stretch of basketball play since the Philly game, which was like very early on in the season. That And that's a game they lost. You know, the Dick era begins now. I think, like, a lot of really great performances. And on top of that, like, this isn't necessarily something they'll replicate every night. You know, there's there was, after the first, you know, stretch of games with spicy barbecue, now perhaps it's just barbecue, right? Um, the Raptors were playing good basketball. They were winning a bunch of games. You look at this game and you see that it is now the Raptors set the like their season record for their three-point percentage and three-pointers made in a game i don't know if they'll be able to replicate that always in fact i well obviously they won't but there's a bunch of stuff that they're able to work off of here you know you look at jonte porter who i thought he did great in his matchup against bam Adebayo. i thought that thad young did great in his matchup against bam Adebayo. i thought that the raptors played defensively you know, the Heat, they missed a lot of open threes, but they were connected on defense. They were attacking from a bunch of different places on offense. And you look and you say like, hey, maybe this is, uh, you know, Bruce Brown can fit into this. You don't, We don't know exactly what they're trying to achieve for the rest of the season. I think they're currently in the seventh position, so they would have a, a larger percentage chance than not to lose their pick for it to convey to San Antonio this year. 
They have picks coming, two of them for this season from Indiana. I don't know what this team wants to achieve the rest of the season. I don't know if they just want to play the best basketball they can, but they've got a great coach in Darko. They've got a star of the future and a star of the now in Scotty Barnes. They've got players who fit well alongside him, and they're going to try and make things happen. You know, I think that they have a chance to have a decent run here. They have a chance to play some good basketball, and I don't know exactly what it'll end up being, but I really, really enjoyed this game. And and also, like, for Darko, this was a super emotional night for him or day for him. You know, he, he shed tears at the, you know, the press conferences. Even after the game, after they won, he came into the room emotional. And, you know, he was asked, like, how do you channel that emotion? What do you say to the guys? And he just said he told his players that he loved them. And he also mentioned that um, Dehan, his friend. Now, I went searching for this because he talked about, he said first play, but then he said ATO. And so after timeout is what that means. And then I asked Scotty about it, but he said he got a play from his friend who had passed away today, the assistant coach of the Warriors, Dehan. And they used that and they scored on it. And so I poked around and I thought I found the play. I think I found the play. But that is a cool thing about basketball legacy. And that's a cool thing about, like, for example, a lot of people talk about Kobe, for example. There's a reverence when they talk about what they learned from him and how they input his stylings into their own game. And he lives on through that. And Dehan can live on through this. And, you know, your imprint on the game is, you know, the people you affected and the people you share it with. Basketball can be very much like a community in that way. And uh, Darko got a really great performance out of his guys tonight. The players gave it back to him. And I think that's a nice special thing that they can enjoy on what was no doubt like a super, super tough day for him. You know, you feel really bad for him when he walks into the room. It's hard to even ask him about basketball, to be quite honest. You know, Coco says legacy is always the measure of a life. It certainly is. Doesn't have to be these big legacies, but you are the imprint you leave on the people around you. You know, we're all community. One is everybody. Not in, not necessarily in like, we're all connected, brother, type of way. But you get what I'm saying. Good basketball play tonight. They're not going to shoot that well all the time. But they shared the ball, 23 assists in the first half. They come away with 34 at the end of the game. Grady Dick comes in. He plays like three minutes. He gets three assists in that stretch. You know, a little dump off pass. As, as Dennis is shaping up to his drive, you know, a nice pass to Gary. He had and, and the pass he made in transition. He cashes both his triples. That's nice, man. He's plus 14 in like 11 and a half minutes. Even the guy who hasn't been able to get a solid stretch of NBA play got one in this game. And I definitely, I didn't close the book on Grady. I'm, I'm a Grady believer, but it's nice to get a little return on something there. When you've been, you've been trying to identify the good parts of his game, you say, when is this going to come around? It's, it's nice to see. Solstice 99 says it was the first play of the game. They didn't run a play on the first play of the game. Scotty got the rebound, or I can't remember if he got the rebound, but he pushed in transition and collapsed the defense. RJ and Jonte both cut at the same time. It was completely improvisational. I don't know if they planned to run something, but they didn't run a play. Scotty just drove before they set anything up, collapsed the defense, and then Jonte cut middle. He passed to Jonte. Jonte surveyed as Gary lifted from the corner, hit Gary. Gary made a three. 
uh, that's not like a set play. That's just improvisational basketball. I don't know if they planned to do it for then. I'm not sure. But the play that I found was a twirl action into a dribble handoff out of the corner that the Heat blitzed. IQ took that blitz in stride, found Gary with a skip pass, and he hit a three. doesn't have to be that. Um, but it wouldn't make much sense if it was the first play of the game either because also Darko called it an ATO after timeout. So I'm sure people will dig around on this. I asked Scotty about it, and Scotty also told me that he was involved in the play too. So it couldn't have been their first timeout either because Scotty wasn't on the floor after their first timeout. It's a hodgepodge trying to figure out what that play was. I took the the context uh, I understood as I was sitting there from across. I was there when Darko said it. I was there when I was the one asking Scotty about it. So I'm taking that context and trying to apply it. Could be wrong, um, but, you know, Darko is emotional. He's trying to convey that information. He wasn't super clear. It doesn't matter that he wasn't super clear. He doesn't have to be. He's sharing something that was special to him. Whether it was the play I found or not, it's he he tried to get them to run the play. And I, I hope it was, you know, he did it. All good. JK says, really loving the early chemistry from IQ, RJ, and Scotty. Love the Jonte minutes. Love Gary catch and shoot instead of all those dribble handoffs. Grady looks a bit more compo- composed. Yeah, I think like there is room for Gary to be a good dribble handoff player, though. Like you can't just be a catch and shoot shooter. Duncan Robinson isn't even a catch and shoot shooter, right? Like he's a guy who's playing tag around a bunch of these dribble handoffs. He's a guy who's rapid in movement. And you you can't just be a, like, that's PJ Tucker then. And PJ Tucker had immense value. Um, so I'm glad to see that Gary made more catch and shoot stuff. But if he's going to be on the team, which he is, and I don't know what happens between now and the trade deadline, I don't know what happens with this team. Everything has been in flux, right? Obviously. And that's kind of the situation. Uh, we'll see what happens. YG7 says no Pascal and Yak in the paint and Gary to stretch the floor equals Scotty getting to the paint at will. Uh, Scotty took six threes in this game and scored 20 points. You know, I know everybody wants to get their takes off, but we can all let, a, you know, a, a sample, like a sample size develop where you can actually see what Scotty's doing differently. Um, Scotty did make a few like contested hooks against like Bam Adebayo and other players in the fourth quarter shooting four or five, but he also made like a spinning mid-range jumper. And he also like, I think he had like two straight line drives. Um, the spacing was very similar. I would actually say to other games. Um, the thing was that the spacing was converted on, not from a driving point of view. Scotty only took 16 shots, right? Um, more so by RJ was it taken advantage of as you can, you know, identified by his 13 free throws. Uh, the spacing was just rewarded by the shooters, like Gary going eight of nine from three, quickly hitting three threes, Dennis hitting three threes, Jonte hitting two threes, right? So I don't think that there's a, a correlation between Scotty making the contested hook shots that he's always made in the fourth quarter, kind of bouncing into the lane, taking a guy on, a, on his hip, and, you know, the five assists. I think that that's just like a, a representation of um, what he's always done. And then, you know, YG7 says in the fourth, he got a paint and found shooters. Um, that's because defense has collapsed. And that's not necessarily spacing as in he's driving all the time. That's spacing shrinking and shooters having to reward that spacing, right? So, and I don't think that's a, a Jakob or Pascal thing. You know, certainly Gary shooting it better rewards that. But 
I don't know why everybody wants like a one game sample to be the definition because I, I don't know. I watch these guys play like a whole bunch and I don't think that there's a collinearity between those two things. Um, but it's Scotty's team. And, you know, he was asked about this after the game, not by myself, but he was asked about, you know, it being his team. And he said, well, I think it has been. And he's right. And Pascal didn't hurt Scotty's points per possession. Scotty didn't hurt or Pascal didn't hurt Scotty's offense. Scotty will, Scotty had more touches than Pascal after the trade, before the trade. You know, they had a very similar usage percentage and Scotty might get an uptick in that. You know, he didn't have the highest usage percentage tonight either, you know, quickly and Gary and, and RJ probably all have a higher usage percentage in the time they spent on the floor as crazy as that sounds, but you know, they're going to have to figure it out. And Scotty is the North star that this franchise will follow. It's really impressive to me that in a game where he didn't actually, he was having a tough time kind of inputting himself on offense for a large part of this game and still was kind of waiting in and out, had a few uncharacteristic turnovers, had like one or two rebounds until halfway through the third quarter, right? Only had two assists or three assists. Then in the fourth quarter, he's like, okay, we're going to run some plays, some ghosted pick and rolls, some empty side stuff. We're going to flatten it out. I'm going to figure it out. Star quality stuff. And he did. Credit to him. He really did. He did a fantastic job getting downhill, collapsing the defense, finding the shooters. And then when the defense didn't collapse and he was going slower, getting to his spot, going back to the basket, going shoulder to a guy's chest, creating that space, hitting his version of a sky hook, whatever you want to call it, that he's always been so good at. It's uh, Joshua Clement says, big man ting. Yeah, like he's he, he did a fantastic job. Darko Stan says he hunted Duncan Robinson mercilessly. He passed out of the one. You know, I was watching it on the gondola with Blake. I was actually, yeah, I was watching it on the gondola with Blake. And we were like, wow, I can't believe he didn't take Duncan on that one. But Duncan, because this is what happens, right? Duncan is on that island. He sees Duncan on the island. I can't remember who the defender was, but they start creeping up because they're like, Duncan's on the island. And so he creeps up. Scotty still sees that passing lane to RJ in the corner. And then so just boom, passes to RJ. RJ's already making a stampede cut into it, gets baseline, makes a pass. They end up getting, you know, a bucket. It just like, even if he's not hunting Duncan Robinson, the threat of him beginning the hunt um, creates a defensive response. I thought he was magnificent to close this game out. Super impressed because he was like going through the motions for a large part of this game. So to just... This is one of the most impressive things about Scotty. And the thing that, you know, kind of entrances people and, and intrigues people endlessly about Scotty is that, like, he can just have these quarters a lot of times in the fourth, right? Especially the first half of the fourth quarter, just like brutalizing dudes, getting, getting downhill, making contested shots. His touch is insane. Having that, and he can do like two and a half quarters of statistical work in like a six minute stretch, you know? That's something he's always been able to do. And people are like, I wonder what happens when he does that for like not half a quarter or a quarter, but when like it's go time all game. I'm not exactly sure, you know, not everyone has go time all game. Even even Pascal Siakam was like mostly, a, you know, a, a third, he, like the third quarter was always a big quarter for Pascal, right? And part of that is that Pascal would always play most of the third quarter, most of the f first quarter. He was only playing half of the fourth quarter. And to have, you know, Scotty, nine points, five assists, three rebounds, one steal in the fourth quarter, 
that's pretty good. Um, Antoine Rose says RJ was the best player tonight. RJ didn't factor much into the fourth quarter, but I do agree that RJ was the best player in this game. He was incredible. Obviously, like you look at RJ at the end of this game, 26 points, eight rebounds, three assists. He left six points on the free throw line. He's not going to do that every time, but I love, he just doesn't get that much of the ball, but when he gets it, he knows exactly what he wants to do. He sees a defense shifted, or even if it isn't, it's always in an instant. He's at the rim, and he's done a really good job of noticing when the help is coming, when he can dribble out of it, or when he has to pass out of it, knowing or when there it's a stunt. He's been fantastic at reading stunts. Like, is a guy actually taking that step into the lane? Or are they taking that step in before shooting back out? Are they Are they stunting it? Stunts can get a lot of guys to kill their dribble, to stop their drive. His success rate on understanding, like, you're not actually going to meet me in the lane. I'm going to get all the way in has, has been fantastic so far. And even when guys do make that full rotation over, I think he's done a fantastic job of playmaking. You know, three assists tonight, I think, kind of undersells his overall court vision and his decision making. Um, you know, Joshua Clement says his reads on his catching goes have been kind of nuts. The efficiency is crazy. That's absolutely correct. Another game where he goes north of 20 points, another game where he shoots over 60% from the field, and another game where it isn't dependent on him cashing triples because that was what a lot of people were worried about. I wrote a piece a few games in and said, this seems like it's here to stay because while he is shooting good from three, the success isn't necessarily coming from there. He's hitting catch and shoot stuff, whatever. That comes and goes. His driving game has been remarkable, unbelievable. And I just, I come away from every game being more and more impressed with him. Andre says he thinks, you know, RJ is the best driver right now on the team. That's correct. RJ, the pressure he puts on the rim repeatedly, gratuitously, other teams must feel like they're under assault. So consistently, too. He's done it now against good teams, against bad teams, against compromised defenses, doing it from the weak side, doing it from the strong side. He's done it flattened out. He's just taken like pinch post actions. He's done it on stampede cuts, catch and goes. He's done it in isolation. He's just feasting at the rim. Really, really impressive. Uh, Jet uh, asked this question twice. I'll answer it right now. Hey, Samson, why did they waive Coloco despite the illness? Isn't he a smart starting caliber big? Okay, so we'll talk about the the Coloco stuff right now because Christian Coloco did get waived. Um, I'll say firstly, um, he isn't a s- starting caliber big. He he wasn't, but Christian is a guy who I covered quite closely. Uh, one of my most famous pieces was when Christian and I did film work together about his pick and roll defense, which I thought was great. Um, I when I talked to him at summer league, it. He was missing Summer League, but it didn't seem like he was going to miss anything else. The information on his injury is not like an injury. It's medical. So it's his business. He doesn't have to share it. The Raptors don't have to share it, so they don't. That's private. That's up to him. And so he has a lot of promise as an NBA player still, of course. It will be tough to take this break. It will be tough to like ramp up again if he does, but Coloco was certainly an NBA quality big man. I was excited for his career and what that was going to be. Um, Blake, tw- like I'm pretty sure Blake broke this, so I'm just going to look at his tweets because I think he summed it up well. 
So he says, quote, Coloco will get his full salary paid out. Raptors lose his non-guaranteed pseudo team option for next year. I would not at all be surprised if Coloco is brought back in for Raptors 905 and or re-signed in the summer. The Raptors had to waive or trade someone first to make the trade work. Coloco has been out all season with a respiratory issue. Team remains very high on him as a prospect, but with no timeline toward a return right now, he became the choice. It sucks. Hope the best for him. End quote. So that is, I think, a really good summation of the situation. And so just like as people ask why, why not? And I had been asked a question about this in the chat about a, um, the um, disabled player exemption. And so the disabled player exemption doesn't actually give them an extra roster spot. It only saves them money on his salary. So the Raptors needing to open a spot, it's, it was Coloco. This is a business. It's harsh. My hope is that like Coloco is looked after medically, financially, all that kind of stuff and finds his way back to the Raptors. And all of this is looked at as like an oddity health-wise, an oddity roster construction-wise, and just an oddity that hopefully Christian gets over. And even if he doesn't rejoin the Raptors just for himself and his career, I hope that, you know, he just gets over this hump and because he he's an NBA quality big. I don't like I don't know about now. I don't know about his health, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't talk to media, obviously. He's like it's it's his business. And so we'll see what happens. It's it's tough, you know? Um I I the Coloco stuff is just we'll see what happens. Like Blake said, you know, it, it's it's plausible that he finds his way back into the organization. Certainly, it could it could happen. And he if he gets back to where he was and can even improve past that, there's there's spots in the NBA for him, without a doubt. Too much size, too much intuition as the low man, too much length, really quick feet at his size. You know, he had he had trouble finishing as a big man in the NBA. He did, but something I really liked about him was like he was so good at tracking steps as the low man. Really impressive. Very, very, like he did his work early as a defender. This was something I talked to him about, you know, when we were watching a film together, doing the work early, recognizing what the other team is trying to do, really getting to your spot that you have to fit in, in a team concept, and then letting your length do the work on some of these plays. He was really good at that and super quick feet at his position. And he was a pretty good screener, despite not being a hefty guy. He really like, he hung in as a screener. He tr- like he worked on his screen craft at the NBA level, and you could see that guys appreciated that he was sticking them for them. I like Christian a lot. I hope the best for him. Um, as far as like Bruce Brown, Jordan Nora, Kira Lewis, all those guys joining this team, I don't. I don't really know. You know, I, I Caitlin Cooper and I did a podcast today. If anybody's really interested in getting like the the Bruce Brown opinion from her because she's the world's best basketball analyst to be quite honest with you so what she says on a player is extremely important and extremely insightful you can go listen to what we said about bruce brown or jordan wara um brown i think is like a super big utility player i think that there's a lot of things he can fit into you know offense wise with what the raptors want to do especially if like rj keeps being a passable shooter 
some of the spacing should maintain. Um, the fit with Pirtle might be a little bit clunky from the Bruce Brown point of view. So I think it makes, even though he'll be the second highest paid player on the roster, I think it'll make sense to bring him off the bench and play him in a lot of the lineups where, you know, you try and get him with Pirtle off the floor just because he's such a unique player operating on the inside of the arc that you want to give him, uh, you know, room to work off of guys like IQ and Scotty and RJ and, and to do so in kind of that free roam role that he would... Um, that he would play in. Uh, and, and defensively, I think he could give them a lot of different looks at the point of attack. If he is in the starting lineup going forward, um, I, I expect it will be because they want more point of attack juice. And Bruce Brown can give that. Uh, not really, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. But it, it's it's really tough to say. Um, Jet asks, um, says, thanks, Samson. Should we sign Jalen Harris? He's been balling out. They're not going to sign Jalen Harris. Sorry. Um, but. I, I mean, I hope Jalen Harris has like a wonderful basketball career, but he's not going to be signed to the Raptors soon at any point. Um, you know, Flowery and DeRosa says Nora, 38% career three-point shooter. Yeah, he's also, you know, Caitlin talked about a specific chin ball screen play that the Pacers ran for him, that that play precipitated him setting the franchise record for most points in a quarter for the Pacers, which Tyrese Halliburton ended up, um tying this season but as far as like Nora there was a, a specific play that the Pacers would run that they knew he would make good reads out of that he could hit a lot of shots out of he is a microwave scorer if the Raptors are looking for that he has a little bit more size than some of their microwave guys he is you know if he's hot he can provide a bunch of punch to the offense and he can give you like you know a, a lot of stuff there but he, he's been pretty inconsistent and it hasn't been the easiest thing for him to like always provide impact at the NBA level, even as a talented scorer at times. I, I really don't know. And, and Kira Lewis, I thought when he was coming out of the draft, I talked to, I mean, if anybody wants to go, you know, listen back to old draft stuff, you maybe could find like 15, 20 minutes of conversation on him. But uh, one guy who now works in the NBA uh, as, as a professional scout, he really liked Kira Lewis. And, you know, he had mentioned that he needs to learn to play at a couple of different speeds and that, you know, there's like some skill development stuff that had to happen. And that I don't I think that stuff has lagged behind. He's had a weird, a weird start to his career. He really has to be able to separate himself from a guy who can dominate a G League game and into a guy who can, you know, exist and do well working in the NBA game. And, you know, it's really tough to be a guard at the NBA level? That was the question. Oh God, I loved Eric Spolster's answer to the question when I was talking to him today. And I asked him about using that extra dribble as a guard, you know, and, and cited how Jimmy is really good at using the extra dribble, controlling the middle of the court, going downhill, how Kyle is really good at using that extra dribble, controlling the middle of the court, going downhill. And, you know, Eric was smiling while he was talking about it because, you know, it's, it's like a fun thing. But he talked about how, the earlier you make your decision, the more time like the defense has to react to it, right? And he talked about how Kyle Lowry has like this fantastic late decision making that completely busts and breaks defense. And he said he hated coaching against it, and now he loves coaching with it. And using that extra dribble gives you access to pull guys farther away. It gives you access to 
create different rotations from the defense and play make against more compromised looks. And Kyle was so good at that. And I asked it because I wanted a quote about it because I'm writing about Emmanuel quickly and getting downhill, all that kind of stuff, of course. But also that applies to Kira Lewis Jr. as well. Um, adding more of that to the bag. Of course, Eric at the end of it all said, I don't know. He says, we try and teach that. But I don't know if it's something you can teach, which I think was like interesting because I, you know, in my head, I think like, yeah, you can teach that. But if an NBA coach is saying like it's tough to teach, then me thinking like, oh, maybe it's something I added to my game for pickup basketball or anybody else learning it at like, you know, the lower levels of basketball or something like that. Big whoop. Can you add something like that at the NBA level at NBA speed? Um He's probably right. It's probably really tough to add. But he did mention, like, you know, you pick that ball up early, you can get swallowed up by the NBA defenses. So, yeah, awesome, awesome quote from Eric. Just, like, awesome insights there. And I hope that Kira can add something like that. And and IQ as well. I think it would be huge for both of their games. Jet says, one last question, Samson. Do you think the Raps will flip, flip the picks and some players for DeJounte Murray? He'd be a good fit. DeJounte, you know... The sense that I got, the whispers, all that kind of stuff, was that DeJounte um, was very opposed to playing in Toronto back in the summer when packages around Pascal Siakam were being discussed. I don't think DeJounte is coming north of the border. And uh, I don't know why the Raptors would flip the picks for him. I, I don't know what the Raptors plan to do with their picks. They're They're going to be, you know, all of them like back end of the first round, probably between 20 and like 27, all three that they end up getting. Um, I guess it depends on how good the Pacers are this year, but there'll be a back end of the twenties one this year. I presume the Pacers will probably be pretty decent in 2026, probably top 10. So I don't know what they'll be able to like exchange those picks for. I don't know if they're planning on using those picks as a big pivot point for the franchise this summer, for example, being able to select multiple different skill sets in the draft that pair well with Scotty going forward, or if they want to exchange that for a guy who's maybe more proven or something like that. It's tough to say, but DeJounte, uh, I'm, I risk looking like an idiot if it does happen, but I'm going to say a hard no based on information uh, and then just looking at it reading tea leaves from the outside that's what i wonder about um nesta says do you think this move signals a play-in push or do they try to keep their pick uh this doesn't signal a play-in push to me i don't even think they know exactly right um they uh, if if they trade it, like if they want to make a play and push, I think the brass of the Raptors front office would have thought that you make that play and push with Pascal. Now, if they're better without Pascal than they were with him, like cool, great. Um, but that's probably not the way that the franchise viewed things happening, even because basketball can happen, right? You never know. Players can play well. Some can guys can fit all that kind of stuff. But um does this signal a push to the plan? I don't think so. And do they try to keep their pick? I mean, there's a big swath of like not keeping the pick and playing, you know, because it is top six protected. And even if they are sixth, I think they only have a, by the lottery numbers, only a 45% chance of 
um, they only have a 45% chance of keeping it and they just won't get into the top five. All the, the top five worst teams in the NBA are so bad. They're really, really bad. So um, the Raptors aren't getting into the top five worst teams. They maybe could get sixth, but they'd have to be really bad still. And I guess we'll see. I would love if they made the plan. I like. I really like Pascal Siakam. Um, I love covering Pascal. I've been a huge fan of his game. I am not like, oh, I they oh Pascal's gone. I hope this team is no good. If they all of a sudden are better without Pascal than they were with him, I'm overjoyed. I go to that arena. I watch all the games. I talk about all the games. I'll tell you what. I like watching good basketball. I like watching a winning team way more than the the opposite. If they make a run at the play-in, I'm going to be impressed with these guys, and I'm going to be overjoyed to cover some of those games. Um, that would be awesome. Now, I don't know how good their chances are. They had their best three-point shooting game of the season in this game, and they played a really underwhelming version of the Heat. The Heat were just feckless. They didn't bring it in this game. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, Jet says, hey, Samson, how about the pass to rock around play tonight in the second quarter? A, gorgeous, Darko can finally implement .5 offense. Um, I disagree, you guys. The Raptors were third in passes per game. They had a boatload of assists every single game. They finished with 34 tonight, right? Like, that's not far off what they average every game. Um, they just hit more threes. If you hit threes, because most threes are assisted because most guys aren't just like walking up and banging triples. If you hit threes, you get more assists. The Raptors had a couple plays and specifically the one where they made like, I think nine passes on one possession that ended up with Gary hitting a triple out of the corner. That was awesome. But this Raptors team, they hit more shots tonight. You know, a guy like Gary goes eight for nine. If he goes like four for nine, which is still fantastic, it's 29 assists, right? And then that's less than what they average. So I, I know people want to like attach new words and new ideas, but they were playing motion offense the same way that they have recently. The Raptors have been one of the best offenses in the NBA over the past month, month and a half almost. They passed the hell out of the ball before Pascal got traded. They passed the hell out of the ball before OG got traded. They had a boatload of assists before, when both those guys were on the roster. They'll have a boatload of assists afterwards. They run a ton of motion offense. They run a ton of like good stuff. They've found a really good groove with occupying the weak side. A guy like RJ coming in and like pressuring the rim and making really good reads out of it. Scotty obviously is going to create a bunch of stuff. It's and you know, Emmanuel quickly almost had a triple double in this game and he's just like moving the ball and pushing. It's, you know, JK says Pascal's not a ball stopper, going to miss the dude. Pascal had less touches than like Dennis, than IQ then Scotty and a similar amount of touches to RJ. Like I, this, this stuff is not corroborated by teammates, coaches, numbers, uh, this perception of the players that like, finally they get to play the offense that they, they want to play. Now that Pascal is gone, they're playing very similar. Like I, I write about the X's and O's, the plays they run. I pay very close attention to the statistics, all that kind of stuff. It's going to shift with Pascal out, but as far as like the play style, um, I just, yeah, I don't, 
I don't think that it's like night and day. They had an awesome game though. Like they really did play well. They shot, they had their best shooting game of the season. Shoot really well from three. You have way more assists. But as far as like passes per game and all that kind of stuff, I don't expect it to be radically different. They're already one of the best teams in the league as far as like passes per game, assists per game, any metric you would use, you know, touch time, time of possession, front court touches, elbow touches, however you want to shake it up. I think that the Raptors probably would be by the metrics, one of the least selfish teams even before this. So I think that the Raptors played an awesome game at the start of the podcast um i was talking about you know giving out the superlatives to all the players who contributed to that talking about them a little bit more and um i just like some they had a bunch of great performances in this game but does it mean that they like played vastly different basketball or that they're now playing 0.5 uh i don't think so at all no um yeah i don't uh i don't think so but i mean it's I just hope that they supercharge all the things that they were doing before. You know, you want to see you you want to see guys succeed both when the three-point shots are going down and you want to see them succeed in the games when it when they don't. You know, the game before this, they went 4 for 32. And like Pascal was 0 for he was 6 of those misses, but he wasn't all of them, right? You know, Gary, RJ, Emmanuel quickly, whatever. Um I'm excited to see what this team looks like if they can win games when they don't when they don't shoot well because like the way they play tonight they make it look like they could and I want to see consistent games consistent approaches I want to see all that kind of stuff that would be awesome you know and I I don't know what the team's plan is going forward I don't know what their plans are for like Bruce Brown I don't know what their plans are for Kieran Lewis I don't know what they want to do with the picks I don't know if they're you know gathering picks because they like a guy at the top of the draft that they want to trade up for. I don't know if they're gathering picks because they like a guy elsewhere in the league that they're like, we have draft capital to add a player who is on Scotty's timeline. Like, I don't know what they want to do, but I watched a good game tonight. They played some nice basketball. They really did. Nesta says, does this team need more size? This is kind of funny, right? Because they were huge at the start of the season, <laughs> like massive massive team at the start of the season and they played a bunch of big teams at the start of the season and those were fun games especially that opener nesta you know you and i watched it together um at the raptors republic party and like playing minnesota just two massive teams although they didn't have Jaden mcdaniels was cool i think that they don't need more size because once Jakob comes back and i again i don't know what they're doing with Jakob. i don't know i don't know if this is like tear it down I don't know if tear it down makes sense because, you know, you look at Tyrese Halliburton, for example, and the the Pacers, and they're like, oh, Halliburton is taking that step into ultra stardom. We have to pair him with somebody. And, you know, Scotty is going to be taking that step soon, presumably. And the Raptors are probably going to be like, oh, well, we want him surrounded by good players so he can make the playoffs and get playoff reps and try and make playoff runs as like a big star in the NBA. So the full tear down... I'm not sure it makes sense because if you have a bunch of guys on their rookie scale contracts that were picked in like the twenties as the main hub around Scotty, as he's on a max extension, I don't know if that's a recipe for like his idea of success. Right. So I don't know exactly what this team plans to do. 
I think it makes sense to try and be good, you know? And of course, it doesn't have to be good with Pascal because they weren't very good with Pascal this year. You know, the team as a whole wasn't very good. They can try and be good in a separate way and still led by Scotty Barnes, you know? Um, Tomo says, why would we move Yak? That doesn't make sense unless it is an upgrade. That's, yeah. I mean, Yaka Pirtle, they're like, I'm speaking to the fan base when I talk about that mostly because, you know, Jakob isn't as popular as like the future of the center position there. I know a lot of people have their eye on like Nicholas Claxton, for example, um, who, depending on how the Raptors make moves, might have money for to throw money at in the summer, something like that, right? Just kind of saying, you know, we don't know what this team is going to do. We don't really know what's happening. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the whole situation, I guess. But yeah. Um, Awesome game. Really happy to watch that one. Excited to see how they play against the Bulls. Excited to talk to Masai tomorrow at like 1 p.m. I think he has an availability. So excited to ask him some questions about all that kind of stuff. Um, Darko Stan, you just said what I was talking about. Thoughts on Jason Claxton in RFA with the new cap. Yeah, I I really like Claxton. I would be super, super into that. Um, before I get out of here, there's like more than 200 people in here. Make sure to hit the like button helps promote it elsewhere. And, um, it's good for the algorithm helps other people, other people see that it's free. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably it for a podcast, super fun game, a bunch of really, really fun performances. And, um, yeah, man, like great start to the new era. Um, you got a bunch of great performances from like the back end of the bench to the, um, the guys who are starting, Nesta says, can you ask Masai about if selfish basketball is still here? Ha. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't. I won't be asking that question because that's like a meme at this point. Um, I want to ask him something a little bit more constructive, probably. Um, 888MJL says, Dennis has been great for us. Why would we trade him? This is regarding for, you know, audio listeners, a conversation going on in chat. I think that's, um, I think that's, uh, like a good point. I think Dennis has been awesome since he's moved to the bench. I don't I don't think he's been a problem at all. I think that the two guard lineups have been a really unique look with Dennis and with Emmanuel quickly. And I think Dennis, like for what he's getting paid, I think is like been well on. Like he's been good. I have no complaints about Dennis over the past however long. Like and even earlier on in the season, I know people probably who watched this thought I was light on criticism of Dennis, but I was like, Dennis is playing his role. You know, he's being asked to take a lot of these possessions on. It's too much for my liking, but it's not because he's selfish. It's not because he's like, this is my team. You know, as poorly as that quote was aggregated by like NBA Central or whatever the hell it is. Um, I I think Dennis has been like truly awesome. And I think Dennis helps facilitate offense for a number of players on the roster. And I think he provides them with like point of attack juice that they um, never, ever, you know, that they don't have a bunch of looks at currently right now. You know, Coco says, I never want to hear about selfish basketball again. Hope to hear your more diplomatic questions be answered. Well, uh, end quote. Yeah, I hope so too. And yeah, I'm, I detested the selfish basketball commentary because it allows people to validate their, (laughs) it allows people to validate their dramatic reality television wants about how they view basketball. Like you just, get to start pretending that like the guy I'm watching on TV is a bad selfish guy. And you know, when Masai uses words like that kind of carelessly, it gives license to people to talk about players in a way that I think is like, 
unbecoming. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about that. Mike Mike says, where are all the Pascal stands? I think most Pascal stands would be Raptors fans, you know. I like I know that there's um there's uh like the Pascal stands, Scotty stands. If you're a star player in the NBA, you have some stands. But I think that like most people who really liked Pascal just liked the Raptors. Like Scotty, there's maybe Scotty fans who like Scotty more than the Raptors. But most people who like Pascal probably followed him from like an early part, watched the team win a championship, also loved Kyle Lowry, loved like a bunch of different players who helped bring a championship. So there's probably less like stands of Pascal and mostly just like fans of Pascal who are also huge fans of the Raptors, right? So um, Pascal moves on. I've seen like a whole bunch of well-wishing for him and like, I'm excited to see him play some cool, some cool basketball in Indiana. Like he'll have a shot at some playoffs. Like we'll see how it goes as as a number two. Um, but yeah, like infighting in fan bases because you're like, I like this guy, and other people are like, I like that guy. Um, is tough because like they play for the same team, right? And if you would if you had told like Pascal and Scotty, or if you go up to Scotty and you're a Scotty fan, right? And you say, Hey Scotty, I hate Pascal. He takes possessions away from you or whatever. Scotty'd probably call you a weirdo. Like being real, right? Scotty would probably call you a weirdo. Like, is that how you watch basketball? You know? Because these guys like basketball. That kind of thing. Um, but you don't want to be like somebody who like you want to enjoy the game you're watching. You want to enjoy when a team wins something. You want to do all that kind of stuff rather than like be caught up in like infighting, you know. But I understand people, they like standom and all that kind of stuff. To me, it's a, a unique aspect of fandom, one that I probably don't have much appreciation for, but um, it's a team game. And those guys, Pascal, Scotty, um, you know, Darko, the first thing he said was that Pascal is the first guy in the gym, the last guy out. And then Gary came in and said, first guy in the gym, last guy out. And I said, you and you and Darko said the exact same thing. Like, that's true. He's the first guy in the gym. And Gary says, yeah. And, and Scotty talked about like how Pascal set the tone as a worker and that like he learned things from him, right? And he mentioned that like Pascal is one of his favorite players. These guys these guys like each other. These guys are teammates. These guys have shared stuff together. Um, as much as people who like them want to fight based on who they like, who play on the same team, this is probably sounding ridiculous, hopefully a little embarrassing for those who partake. Um, you know, Nesta says it's hard to conceptualize player fandom if you've played on a team yourself. No kidding. Because, um, like, especially for people who just played, like, basketball and, you know, if you go to pick up and you lose the game and you're like, I had eight points out of like, and we got beat 11-8. You're talking about the wrong things, man. You know, like it's that kind of situation. But yeah, it's um, Lil Yo 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 asks, do you think the Raptors are putting a pick package together for Laurie Markkinen? I'm wondering if this is because people saw that Scotty Barnes liked a tweet that was saying Laurie is a really good player. I've talked about Laurie a lot. I really like Laurie Markkinen. If the Raptors could get Laurie Markkinen, hell yeah. Do I think they can get him? Hell no. But he's great. Laurie is really good. Um, but yeah, Pascal goes. He was two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star, most improved player, hit the championship winning shot, had 26 and 10 
in a championship winning game, had 32 points on 14 of 17 shooting in game one of the NBA finals, helped set the tone in Toronto for the win. Had was a massive part of that that playoff race, was a massive part of that playoff win, is part of one of the highest scoring duos in NBA playoff history during a run. Scotty, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam. He is a mammoth part of the Raptors story. And he did it all being drafted 27th overall. Just like he deserves nothing but flowers. And now that he's gone, people can stop arguing about usage and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully just look back and, you know, really appreciate what he was for this franchise. Um, Because he didn't ask out and he didn't say like, you know, you got to trade me. And he didn't say, I don't want to be here. He said, I want to be here. And it didn't, makes sense for the Raptors point of view for Pascal to be a Raptor going forward. That's their right. You know, they have, they can trade him at any point that they want to. They could have traded him at any point over the past, however many years. And, you know, he, you know, Coco says he was loyal until the end to a city that has not had a lot of loyalty to it. And he was loyal and he was successful and he reached the mountaintop in this city, and he also had the personal accolades, and he also has a bunch of the statistical stuff he's near the top of. So huge member of these Toronto Raptors, you know? Awesome. Um, Phoenix Blaze says, fun fact, Samson, the 2019 Toronto Raptors have the highest scoring trio for total points in a single postseason, Kawhi, Pascal, and Kyle. That's awesome. And I think that really does help represent, you know, that Kyle and Pascal... A lot of people, because Pascal scored more points, are quick to say that Pascal was the second option. I, it was like 2A and 2B, and I would give 2A to Kyle because Kyle was so important to you know running that orchestra of all that kind of stuff. Phoenix plays E says Samson looks broken. That's just because it's been a long day, man. I, I like you guys probably, I don't know how many of you popped into the conversation I was having with Caitlin Cooper earlier in the day, but also didn't sleep very much last night because I kept away. I actually set my alarm to wake up every 30 minutes, you know, from like 6 a.m. on because I didn't want to miss the news if Pascal did get traded. So I hardly slept. And then I got up and started working and then had to get downtown to cover the game and talk to people and then do all that kind of stuff. So not broken, just tired. You know, and, and not to mention it's like 1247 and I'm talking to, you know, 210 people online and I'm and I didn't go to bed at like, you know, 8, 8 p.m. last night and get like a, a good uh, sleep in uh, Van Hoot 234 says, Samson, will you get a mic tomorrow? I suspect that there won't be mics. I think that it'll just be at the OVO Center and I'll just have to say like, hey, Masai, da, 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 da. That's that's what it'll be just like, a, you know, a, a scrum scenario. So, yeah, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it as far as that goes. Sad to see Pascal go. I like talking to him. He's a huge member of this franchise. I wonder if 43 is retired someday. It's an easy one to retire because not a lot of people are number 43. It won't be retired before number 7 or number 15, I don't reckon. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, if, if you guys watch the work I did with Caitlin today, you know, the, the podcast that we did, um, you would see how gassed she was, how like excited she was to have Pascal on their team. And so I think a lot of people in Indiana should be really excited about that. And Raptors fans should be like, you know, flowers to Pascal for his time. And then also, uh, as far as like, it's a new team going forward. And Scotty, he's the star of it. He knows that. 
He's a fantastic player. He's made a star jump this year. He deserves to have a try at it, and he'll get it. And, like, IQ, RJ, Dennis, Jonte, Gary, all these guys, like, fitting in perfectly for a night was awesome. I don't know how I don't know how the, all this shakes out going forward, but, like, very impressed with the performance tonight. And it, especially, like, all things considered. Um, Josh Horvath says, what if the Siakam trade does what the Rudy Gay trade did? Brown, Nora, and Lewis come in and revamp the bench. Next thing you know, we get hot and make the playoffs. I mean, any trade could be like that. And people started talking about that immediately after the OG trade with RJ and quickly, but the Raptors were still losing. Um, you know, and like the there's way more picks. There's three first round picks in the Pascal trade as well. Does this trade like reinvigorate? I mean, I would I would love if it did. That would be great. Alex asks Samson, do you think RJ has all-star potential? I I was talking to Blake when we were watching the game, and I said, I think he's been the best like non-star wing in the NBA since he got traded. Like there's a there's wings who are considered stars, and there's wings who are considered like a tier below that. And I don't know who's better been better than RJ in that time. He still probably isn't getting like enough of the basketball offensively to be deemed like putting up huge numbers for all-star status. And he's probably not been good enough defensively to do that currently, but could he grow into that based on what I'm seeing as far as like rim pressure and decision-making? Hell yeah. Why not? I'm not saying this is what he's going to be, but would I turn my nose up at it and say, no, there's no way I can't do that. Why not, man? He's been so good. He's been absurdly good. Let people dream on, you know, stardom. You know, Tomo says his defense is so bad. He's had some he's had some tough games. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been cool for Star J. You know, Phoenix plays he says, can he be Andrew Wiggins on Royd Sampson? I don't know about that comp, but uh Andrew Wiggins certainly had like, you know, two years ago an incredibly uh incredibly successful year all-star starter finals like they won the championship all that kind of stuff so yeah any any signed a contract too so a bunch of good stuff i i think rj can be even better so yeah that's about it everybody thanks for hopping in we'll be here not here i'll be uh back in rexdale tomorrow night to talk bulls after watching that game at scotiabank and you know, after we talk to Masai tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, if anybody's interested, um, and if you're currently subscribed to Kenton Cooper's Patreon, um, we're doing a video, her and I, uh, going doing like film work on Pascal Siakam, and then that'll be out tomorrow, I reckon. So if anybody's interested in Pascal Siakam coverage, that'll be the place to get it. C4C says, so the presser is 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow? Yes, that's correct. Now, again, since I have to do this advertisement every single time, this one's different. But February 6th, there is a live podcast held by Raptors Republic at Rivoli in downtown Toronto. 7 p.m. is myself, um, a whole host of other people who are interesting basketball talkers slash uh, NBA associated. And we're going to do conversations about basketball. Maybe less trade deadline talk now that Pascal and OG have both been traded. But the last last year we sold it out and we had an awesome time talking about all that kind of stuff. 
And um, yeah, it's it, it was a blast last year talking to people. So if you're interested and want to come hang out, Nesta says Raptors Nerds Unite. That's absolutely correct. That's basically what it is. Um, yeah, come hang out, buy a ticket. It'll be good. It'll be fun. So that's uh, that's where we're at. Yeah. If you want to support the website, feel free to go over to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe. And as far as the uh, YouTube channel, subscribe. It's free. Like the video currently. It's totally free. It helps out the channel. Hopefully you like me as you watch and you want good things from me. The like goes away. A long way. Sorry, I should say. Normal guy says I'm coming. Hell yeah. Look forward to seeing you there. Um, Coco says we can all scrap in person. Yeah, the chat does like to argue a little bit. Nesta says good night, y'all. That's right. Okay, thanks to everybody for popping in. Way better to do these when there's, you know, a stream of consciousness flowing in to respond to. Um, yeah, for the people listening on the podcast apps, thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful walk or night or whatever the hell it is. And uh, yeah, uh, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Yeah. <laughs>